Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our second week of our series, Becoming Wise. And we've designed this series particularly for our older saints, but we're hoping that our young people are going to get a lot out of it as well. And last week, we sort of started to unpack who is an elder. And one of the definitions I gave was that an elder is one who has moved past the stage of having to be carried in life and now is in a place where they want to give their life away for the sake of others. It's like they're ready to carry others. This is not necessarily a function of age because there are many older people that are just as self-focused as they were in their 20s. But it's more a function of living and walking with Jesus for many years, going through some valleys and, and learning that despite disappointments and despite even tragedies in your life, it's a solid commitment to Christ that we hang on to that is giving us real life. And we learned that it can hurt and often involves sacrifice. Hence the image of the Velveteen Rabbit that we're using for our series and that beautiful story that we read called The Velveteen Rabbit. Our verse from last week was this. After this, many of the disciples left. They no longer wanted to be associated with him. Then Jesus gave the 12 their chance. Do you also want to leave? And Peter replied, Master, to whom would we go? You have the words of real life, eternal life. We've already committed ourselves, confident that you are the Holy One of God. Now, anyone who has been in a commitment for a long time, whether it be a marriage or, or even being part of a church for a long time, you know that there are seasons when your commitment is not fun and you, yes, you do want to walk away except you are wise enough to know that over the long haul, this commitment is bringing you life. Those of us who have walked with Jesus for some time know about this God compulsion. It's like this intuitive sense, deeper than feeling, of where we find authentic, real life. And that's walking with Jesus. Now this week I want to get really practical and talk about what real Christ-like maturity looks like. There is one place it is described in the New Testament and it's in Galatians 5, to 24. And Paul was talking here about what your life looks like when the Holy Spirit takes a hold of you and you walk with the Holy Spirit for a period of time and allow him to change you. So these are the verses from the Living Bible. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And here is the same verse in the Living Bible. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. 
We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life and able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. This is what maturity looks like. But let's just talk about one thing that mature elders can do that no other group within the church can do. It's sort of like the superpower of the elder. It is the ability to bless others. You might ask, what is a blessing? Is it the same as an encouragement? Well, it's like an encouragement, but there's a deeper dynamic to it. A blessing is something that comes from the top down, from someone who has power or age or experience or respect to someone who is younger, less experienced. It's like God blesses the world. Parents bless children. Teachers bless students. Bosses bless employees. The old bless the young. For example, if Jacob Massey-Chase told me that he got a lot out of a message I spoke, I'd be really encouraged. But if our venerable Reverend Tim Costello came to church one day and said that he was inspired by my message, now that would be a blessing because he is my elder. Now, Tim, if you're listening to this, that's my nice way of saying you are so much older than me. We only know about this powerful dynamic because of the way God behaves towards us. And the ultimate example of blessing from top down we can read about it when in the Gospels when Jesus was just starting his ministry. He went to the Jordan River and he asked John to baptise him. And we read in Mark chapter 1, The moment Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descending on him. And a voice from heaven said, You are my beloved son. You are my delight. I love that word. You are my delight. From this moment throughout his whole ministry, Jesus would have been hearing his father's voice. God saying to him, oh, I'm his beloved son. I am his delight. And I have no doubt that would have been the power that sustained him even as he submitted to that terrible death on a cross. Despite the circumstances he was in, he knew who he was and he knew he was loved. That is the power of a blessing. And Jesus went on to bless the people around him. Remember the woman who broke the jar of expensive perfume over his feet in a way that embarrassed the men he was eating with? He blessed her. He told her that whenever the, the story of her sacrifice was retold, that she would be honoured throughout all time. 
Remember the short, despised tax collector who climbed up a tree to see Jesus? He blessed him in the ultimate way by calling across the crowd, Zacchaeus, I am coming to your house to eat with you. The woman that was unclean for years because she couldn't stop her menstrual bleeding. The one who tried to sneak a touch of his cloak, hoping that it would heal her. He blessed her by seeing her, really seeing her. And he sent her away restored. Senior saints, we are called to become more and more like Christ so we can learn to bless others as he did. We have the power to change lives. How can we do that? Well, firstly, we can, we can bless someone by really, really seeing them. To really see another person, especially a younger one who looks up to you, is to give that person a blessing. There is a gaze that says, I see you and you are a delight to me. How good are we at just making significant eye contact when we're talking to someone younger than us? And through that eye contact, just communicating our delight in, in them. You know, when we walk into a room, there are those who love us those who don't particularly like us and those who couldn't care less. We are blessed when someone older can see us in a way that says with their body language in their eyes, I'm glad you're here. You bring something special into my life. You know, older folk are generally good at doing this naturally with children. You'll see an older person get down right on their knees and talk eye to eye with a child. But can we learn to do that with other adults as well? The second way we can bless people is by speaking well of them. Speaking well to them. Words are so powerful. It's like the grandparent or a parent to a child. I know that was hard for you to do, but you did it and I'm so proud of you or an employer to an employee. Well done. You are actually making my job a lot easier. A wife to a husband. I just love the way you love our kids. An older person to a shopkeeper. You gave me excellent service today, thank you. This is something that I I'm very conscious of doing and it's so powerful because people who work in retail expect the absolute opposite. And when you bless them with your words, I just see their faces light up. These last two, blessing people with our, with the way that we see them and the way we speak, these are pretty easy. They don't hurt. We don't need to sacrifice much to do it. They won't rub much of our fur off. But this third one might. We can bless by giving away some of our own lives so that others can have more. To bless someone fully is to, in some way, 
die for them. Now I see this in, in walking in humility, being prepared to lay down some of your rights in order to lift up a younger, younger person. Now, just, just the other day, I was watching a fabulous documentary called The Jesus Music. It was like the soundtrack of my, my teenage years, all of the wonderful Christian artists of the 70s, 80s and 90s that were, were taking um, some of the styles of secular music and putting Christian words and, and just trying to get the, the word of, of the gospel out in a new way. And there were parts of the conservative church that were so against what they were doing. You might remember Jimmy Swaggart, who was one of the early um, tele-evangelists. He was so against this. He was saying that these kids were making music of the devil. And a lot of these, these young musicians were, were not invited to sing in churches because they felt that their music was evil. And then something happened. The amazing, honoured Billy Graham, who was at the height of his respect in, um, in the American church, he invited these young Christian musicians to perform at his youth outreach events. So all of a sudden, these, these musicians were playing in front of 60,000, 70,000 kids at these events. And it was like Billy who was older, was, was laying his rights down and lifting up these young musicians. And because of that, they were, they were given some of the honour that people felt for Billy Graham. It's an amazing story. And I love to see the way Billy acted as such an elder who blessed that younger generation and just opened up the whole area of Christian contemporary music. I see this in serving others, that we lay down our life, some of our life to serve others. You know, I said last week that our later years should be our most giving years. And I see many of our older folk helping with the winter night shelter. Yep, they give up quiet nights sitting warmly in their own lounge room to make somebody else's life a little more bearable. It's a sacrifice. And yes, they do lose some fur. I see this in the way we use our money. Now, for most of us, this really is where the rubber hits the road as far as giving our lives away so that others can have more. This is one of the tests of maturity and it's, it's often the most difficult one more important than any other. Our later years should be our most generous. Now, for many of us, we're past the era of crippling school fees and hopefully past the worst of mortgage repayments. How are we sacrificing our financial comfort for the sake of others? We can help carry others through our financial generosity. You know, I love the fact that there are a lot of young people at Gateway, but they are at the beginning of their financial life. They should start to give 
They should put in place godly habits. Being generous with our finances is a basic part of our discipleship. But there will not be a lot to give in their pay packets. Us older saints, we sacrifice our finances to see a Sally Jones released to pour into our kids. We sacrifice our finances to see a Sinjin released to lead a team that pours into our teenagers. We sacrifice to put a roof over the God's own area, over our worship services. We sacrifice to make sure that online church can continue for those who are shut in and can't get to, to a physical service. Why would we do that? Why would we sacrifice maybe the possible holiday, the possible larger retirement nest egg? Because mature elders know that our lives are not our own and our resources are not our own. They have been entrusted to us to distribute for kingdom purposes. The future of the church has always been in the hands of the mature saints who want to leave a legacy, a blessing in the lives of the next generation and they put their money where their mouths are. If you believe that our young people deserve a godly, strong, functioning house of God with the resources to gather leaders called by God and reach out to the community with his love, then can I ask you, put your money where your belief is and be a blessing. I said at the beginning that a blessing is most powerful when it is given from those with more power to those with less. And I want to add that a blessing is strongest when it's given by the same gender, from a woman to a woman, from a man to a man. Now, why is this? I think it's because we tend to feel more threatened by someone of our own gender. So when we put that aside and say, I don't see you as a threat, you are a delight to me, and I can lay down some of my life so that you can thrive. That is really countercultural. That's Jesus' talk. Now, I want to read a story that's in um, Ronald Rollheiser's book, A Sacred Fire, that really demonstrates how this works. Imagine a man, a gifted teacher, lecturing at a prestigious university. He enjoys an immense popularity with his students and he fully deserves it. Teacher of the year. But he is now middle-aged, has lost some of his youthful vibrancy and despite his ever-increasing competence and professional reputation, he is no longer the fresh young face. As he walks into the faculty lounge one day, just as a new school year is about to begin, he is introduced to a new faculty member, Jack. Now, Jack is not yet 30 has a doctorate from a very prestigious university, has already published a well-received book and is reputed to be a great classroom teacher. Moreover, he has the looks of a movie star. Finally, added to all of this, Jack is also a very nice young man, respectful, gracious, humble, not full of himself. The senior guy already knows that Jack's popularity is soon to eclipse his own. 
What do you think will be his reaction to Jack? Will he think, in you I take delight, like God said to Jesus? Or will he say, I want to kill you, meaning just wait. Let him put up with all the garbage that I've had to deal with in 20 years. He'll be as jaded and cynical as I am. In far too many cases, we know what the response will be. It'll be a curse rather than a blessing. I will kill this young life rather than bless it because it is a threat to me. If, however, this middle-aged man could walk over to young Jack, who is such a threat to him, and say, I'm so glad you are here. Glad that you have joined our faculty. You bring so much to us. I'm going to be retiring in a couple of years and now I can retire more easily knowing our department is in good hands. If there is anything that I can do to help you, anything at all, let me know what a wonderful gift you are. If he could say those words and truly mean them, even in the face of some natural human jealousy, he would be blessing young Jack. And that blessing would have a double effect. On the one hand, it would help free up something inside of Jack. It would help, which would forever help young Jack to be more secure and a blessed person. Because Jack would be hearing what Jesus heard at his baptism. You are a blessed one, in you I take delight. That blessing would help Jack see the world through this blessed consciousness. And more likely, when he is ageing and his own star is eclipsing, he will not himself be threatened by young people. And also, very importantly, it would help lift some of the chronic depression inside of the older man who was giving the blessing. Not long after blessing young Jack, he would one day, without being conscious of what triggered the feeling, sense deeply the joy of being alive, of being healthy, of standing inside so rich a life and spontaneously say, God, it feels great to be alive. When we act like God, we get to feel like God. Conversely, when we are petty, we get to feel petty. When we do big-hearted things, we get to feel big-hearted. When we do small-hearted things, we get to feel small. I love that. When we act like God, we get to feel like God. We get bigger. When we are selfish, self-focused, we shrink. You ever seen a calf right after it's born? It's sort of paralysed because it has this membrane wrapped around it and the mum gets to work licking the membrane off so the calf can stand on its own feet. It's a bit of a gross analogy, but that's sort of what the blessing of the elders does to the young. It removes the paralysis and allows them to stand. Now, can I just speak briefly to those of you, maybe older folk, who feel you've never had anyone to lick the paralysis off you. You have lived with a feeling that you were never truly loved or wanted. 
You have believed that no one took delight in you. You cannot remember one significant elder in your life, a mother, father, teacher, pastor, boss, who blessed you in any way. And that can lead to a lifetime of sadness and a deeply ingrained feeling that you will never be enough. Often it shows up in men in particular as a father wound. It's like you never felt blessed by your dad. And some of you have lived with that for 50, 60, 70 years. What do we do with that? We can't go back in time. We can't bless ourselves out of that sadness. But we can aim to be a blessing to others. We can walk across the room and bless someone younger. The power of blessing others is our freedom. It's our superpower. Because if we bless others, it won't be long before our hearts will feel a warmth that says, God, it feels good to be alive. Because when we act like God, we get to feel like God. So here's a challenge I want to leave you with. How can you use your superpower as a blessing? See people, really see them, be interested in them. Speak words of delight into them. Serve people, give them your time. Be generous with your finances, especially to the church, which is the center of the kingdom and God's plan A to spread the love of God. Now, please don't miss next week because we're going to have the joy of interviewing two of our wonderful senior elders at Gateway, Sally Ansell and Tom Rosso. And boy, do they have stories to tell. We'll see you next week.